Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, since I'm catching a breather here in London, I'm going to take advantage of this moment to do the Parsha while I have time spending the whole day with my good friends. We're having uh, the grand tour of London with Ari Elbaum who knows this place like the back of his hand to my amazement with Steve Kaplan who just arrived and with Ed Hoffman. So we have the four musketeers going through all this famous English history enemy territory. Uh, I put a wreath of flowers by Oliver Cromwell. They wanted to kill me. Anyway, speaking of which, uh, this week, of course, is Pasha's Korach. Ooh, I'm sitting here <laughs> tired under a tree in a park. they got a lot of parks over here with a lot of trees. But fortunately, the weather is like 75 or something like that, so it's, it's doable. If you hear traffic in the background, that's all the British. Uh, opposite the big building of the Admiralty of the War Ministry, one of those things, over there. A lot of statues here. My goodness, a lot of statues. I want to tell you something. I've never seen so many statues to mediocre figures in my life. <laughs> Bishlam, if you're a famous person, I get it. But if you didn't do nothing, you were just a zero. How to give you a giant statue in London is beyond me. It's like in Baltimore, we're going to soon have a statue of Catherine Pugh and uh, what's her name? And Celia Dixon. Giant statue and a horse holding a big credit card. Anyway, uh, this week's Parshish Korach. And just want to take a short time to devote to this because uh, I'm pretty exhausted to tell you the truth but what I always find interesting about Shikorah is the um, what shall I say existential nature of political comment that you find in the Torah I always have a sea system whenever you find something in the Chumash it's always part of the scene just reappears different times over and over in history tells you a basic part of the human reality and in this case politics who won the fight between Moshe and Korach? The answer is Korach won. Because by the time the story reaches its climax, or one minute before that, everybody sided with Korach. Uh, the Gemara, the Medrash anyway, says that the heads of the Sanhedrin sided with Korach. But think about what I just said. All the big rabbis, it's like we're alive today. You'd say, you know, uh, Chaim Kanievsky and, I don't know, you know, people like that all think Korach is right and Moshe is wrong. Because they said the head of Sanhedrin, listen, Nachshon ben Aminodim signed with Korach. Can you believe it? Nachshon ben Aminodim. So, you see, the guy had a power of speech. I, Moshe, had a solid record of accomplishment. It doesn't matter. The Olam is a Golem. It's funny, you see, this is the point of the Torah. When it comes to politics, demagogues will win. They have a Baal Machlikas, the Baal Machlikas will win. It's, it's crazy. How do I know this? It took a miracle to defeat Korach. So that means me... I don't have a miracle that I can call up like Moshe Rabbeinu. You don't have a miracle. You can call up Moshe Rabbeinu. What happened over there? You know, Moshe says at the climactic moment, if I'm wrong, you know, then the ground should not swallow them up. But if I'm right, in Briel, Yivra Hashem, Patsadamas Pia, whatever it is over there, if a brand new miracle be created and the ground will swallow up the whole group, then you'll see that God sent me. And I'm sure Korah said, what the heck just happened over here, you know? <laughs> that wasn't part of the debate plan, you know. 
He thought that he'll bring up these points, Moshe will say those points. You and I know that we're told Moshe was not a good debater. He was called a kavad peh, uh, heart of speech, which can be many things. Mm-hmm. One of them is that Moshe uh, was not particularly eloquent. Uh, you know, uh, uh, later on he is, but, you know, he, he, he probably wasn't eloquent in defending himself. All we find from Moshe is that he tried to respond to the attacks on his personal integrity. Remember, I never took a donkey from him, which I personally think means like a donkey. Probably means chamor from the word chamor uh, uh, materialism, you know. I never took any objects. Chomer. Uh, probably some of far says that, but here I am stuck in London, so I can't look anything up. Uh, I never did anything bad to anybody. That's the most he can say. Uh, that's not an eloquent defense. It's a defense, my friends, of an honest man. An honest man doesn't know how to defend himself except to say that everything I was charged with was not true. But, you know, you lose in a debate if the other guy says, you did this, you shot your mother, you killed your father, you burned your children, you know, you destroyed your neighbors, and all you can say is it's not true, it's not true, it's not, not true. That doesn't make a rhetorical effect on the listeners. The listeners say, oh, the guy with all the charges, he sounds more interesting, more attractive. Now, therefore, Carr had it all wrapped up. He said, I went over the Sanhedrin, I went over Nachum and Amin of types, I went over everybody else. We're going to have this debate, and Moshe is going to be forced to quit. Obviously, to his utter shock, Moshe then pulled a nuclear plan, and Moshe says, In Kamos, call, you know, If Karach and all these guys die a regular death, then I'm a liar. And, he, and by the way, I remember this from long ago. The Medrash says that Hashem was angry for Moshe because Hashem said, You don't have the right to tell me when to make a miracle. You understand? If you look in the Torah, every time it's a miracle, Hashem says, I'm going to do this. You know the right where somebody downstairs, even Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm going to tell you in two minutes it's going to happen to Nase. And Hashem never told him that. They didn't coordinate this beforehand. However, you know, Hashem always backs up his employees. There's a menace like that, I think I said once in Parshish Bo. Uh, I forget the exact Pusik they quote. But God is a good employer. If the employee says, remember Moshe said this by Kachatzos Alayla Nitz, Ebi Sogmat's Ryan. So, Atzas, something Yashlim. Atzas Avod of Yashlim, I think. Where it says that God, you know, if, if you're a good CEO and your employee, uh, you know, puts something out there and says, my company's making a commitment, you will follow it through. And so even though it says Hashem was angry and says, who authorized you to, 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 who authorized an earthquake, you know, the ground should swallow up. But he did it. Hashem did it. The ground swallowed up and, 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 and destroyed everybody. Okay. So if you're Moshe Rabbeinu, you can pull something like that. Okay, you're going to win. But anybody short of that, which is 99.99% of the rest of the humanity, can't do this. So we go down to Korah. We fall to the Korahs of the world. That's very dangerous. The Jewish people, the whole Jewish history, is full of communities which fell to Korah. And it doesn't go away. B'nai Korah lo Mesu, among other things, is always interpreted that you always have Korahs with us. Which is why the Korah is so bad. This is very interesting. If you look in the Shari Teshuvah, did I mention this last week? If you look in the Shari Teshuvah, he says it's a mitzvah to tell Lashon Horan on a Korah. You've got somebody in your shul. Be sure you got the right person now. But if you got somebody in your shul who you identify as a Korach, a fomenter, a machlokas, and that sort of thing, I'll say it again. In the Shari Shub, in part two somewhere, it says, it's a mitzvah to say Lashon Har about that person. In other words, do whatever you can to take the guy down, or woman, uh, use any uh, trick in the book, including dirty tricks, to take to it. That doesn't sound like the Jewish religion, unless you say that the Korach is a cancer. It's a cancer. Unless you get rid of it, it can destroy anything. It can destroy a shul, a family, a relationship, a club, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, this is the great danger of every society. America is going down because there are too many corrupts running around. You got Democratic corrupts and you got Republican corrupts. They tear the whole business down. 
just for them to advance. The state of Israel suffers from a surfeit of Korachs. This is a real problem. It's very hard to get all the ducks in a row and get a consensus. It's much easier to foment and break. It's hard to set up a, a what do you call it, like a little palace made out of toothpicks. It's the easiest thing in the world to huff and puff and blow it down. Just go poof, and the whole thing goes down. That's a Korach. So it's really uh, remarkable. Now, again, it says, B'nai Korach Lameso. His kids didn't die. There's a famous uh, Gemara that says, you know, that they survived. Where does the Gemara get that from? I'll tell you why. Because in the Tehillim, we have Lama Tzeich and the Korach. So the Korachs were an important Levi family, and they composed about 10% of the Psalms. Check out the 49th Psalm. I'm doing this by memory. Uh, which they say, Chas Shalom in a, in a uh, Shiva house. What is it all about? The, the vanity of money. Do not follow the money trail because you can't take it with you. You don't take the money with you. Meaning, B'nai Korach Lameso is very interesting. They learned the lesson from what happened to the father and later on in the family history, they were not like that. And the best example is Shmuel. They say Shmuel Navi was from, from Korach. So... What goes around comes around. I can't remember offhand, but I am willing to bet money. There's a Medeshrava that points out the following obvious, uh, what should I say, uh, repetition. Moshe Rabbeinu is outraged at the charges against his dishonesty, and he said, Lo mehen uh, no, ariosis I never took anything from anybody. Well, Korach, who made these charges, his descendant, Shmuel, found himself in the same boat, didn't he? Because you remember the famous uh, passage in the book of Shmuel, Tzav Torah, where Shmuel is the judge of the Jewish people, again, elected like Moshe, and the Jewish people want to dump him and get a king. And what does Shmuel say? He said, I never took, I never took anything from anybody. Again, he was charged with malfeasance and stealing. But these people were honest. And I remember it says that Shmuel wouldn't even take, um, what do you call it, gas money, you know, wouldn't take a donkey to ride from case to case as he judged them, which means he went the extra mile. We don't have politicians to go the extra mile. They don't even go the extra inch, as a matter of fact. They'll take what they can. What did Abraham Lincoln say? An honest politician, somebody will take anything except red-hot stove nailed to the ground. This is how it goes. If anybody looks at what's happening in, around the world with politicians, oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, except in Baltimore, by the way. In Baltimore, we only have honest politicians from the mayor on down. But everywhere else, I'm told, they have dishonest politicians. So you see so much from Parshish Korach, how Eino Hittosu, his eye led him astray, and you have the saving grace that at least his descendants realized what happened, and when the ground swallowed up and he was never seen again, that lesson, you know, imprinted itself upon their consciousness, and as a result, the Bnei Korach entered the Torah because they're authors of the Tehillim. Isn't that amazing? Korach wanted to take the place of Moshe, and he probably thought he stands high with the Lord and all that kind of stuff, which the opposite was the case. But his descendants ended up standing high with the Lord and composing prayers that you and I recite every day that were part of the Beis HaMikdash uh, uh, music. And remember, anything that's used in the Beis HaMikdash music has a very lofty uh, you know, meaning behind it, deep uh, secrets, like I said the other day, as the same shit's pointed out. And uh, at least there's hope that once in a while... When something befalls, and when a misfortune befalls somebody, it doesn't happen often, but once in a while, when a misfortune uh, befalls somebody, at least their children learn the lesson from it. That is not common, but it, it certainly happened in the case of Korah. One more point. 
Korach is very famous. According to one version, his wife led him into it, which you can totally believe. And they contrast that with the wife of Omben Pelis, who, of course, kept her husband out of trouble. Uh, the Omben Pelis story, we all know, she got him drugged, and he slept through the whole thing. I want you to imagine what happened when he woke up. And he probably said, <laughs> my wife, I'm a killer. She made me miss the most important meeting of my career. I could get to some high position and get the Katoris, and because she drugged me, got me asleep, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be uh, earning the office that I otherwise would merit. I'm going to beat her up. And he runs off to the meeting, and by the time he arrives there, it's just a flat, empty field. And he said, what happened? He said, what happened to the meeting? He said, well, the ground swallowed up and killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And then he said, oh, I guess my wife wasn't so dumb after all. <sighs> That's what I call the own Ben Paulus moment. But London is closing in on me, so with that, I wish you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.